have to say, there are few people that impress me. But Casey Armstrong does. And I'm not saying that to Brown knows. I'm not saying that to be favorable to him or anybody who's a fan of his. I'm saying that because every day, all day, what he does, whether he knows it or not, is make people feel heard and make people feel special. Each and every person that he speaks with. And that's amazing. I mean, how can you do that to everybody that you speak with without somebody saying, ah, you know, this guy speaks to everybody like that, you know? No. Like, it's for real. Like, he's really talking to people. He's really having these conversations. And what he says he means, that is rare. That is better than any therapy, in my mind, to be heard and to be thought of as someone that you know got through something or means something or is someone you know most people don't really feel that way these days you know and um for the longest time I was uh, invisible and my truth was invisible and I was assumed as someone I wasn't and uh, Casey Armstrong has given me the opportunity uh, I don't know this opportunity just kind of fell out of the sky PBN podcast called me I didn't know who they were. I was irritated because I just always am. And so I didn't even want to answer the phone. I did. I said, well, who are you? They said, well, do you know TuneIn? I had just gotten an Alexa device. So I said, well, I've heard of it, you know. And uh, so she said, well, we're affiliated. And she gave, you know, rent, done, did the rundown of Spotify, Apple Music. All that. I said, well, I am familiar with those platforms. She said, well, we just want you to do a quick uh, uh, interview on um life coaching. I said, oh, that sounds awesome, but I got to be honest with you. I don't really have any direct experience there. My master's is in education psychology, and I was really more towards addiction counseling and therapy. She said, doesn't matter. Just like that. Doesn't matter. I'm like, alrighty. So the next day I did a five minute interview. The day after that, they called me back. They said I scored a 9.3 out of 10 on some scale. I asked what the, uh, you know, what they, they, uh, 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 judged it on, and she gave me the five factors, like tone, intonation, uh, you know, content, and three things I can't remember that I wrote down, and obviously now I've forgotten where that is. Nonetheless, uh, she said they'd already gotten 34 major inquiries, um, regarding, you know, just the interview alone, uh, so, so far, I've had three interviews with Casey, and each and every one of them has seemed like an individual conversation between him and I, and, uh, Gail, the guy who gives me the, you know, the feedback, uh, uh, whatever his position may be, um, he's like, you know, it sounds like you guys are just having an honest conversation between, and I'm like, you know what, it's almost like he's my alter ego, like, in male form, because it's like I'm talking to myself, you know, it's like, the, I remember the first show I did, and I revealed something very personal about myself, and he, I think, the, I think he was the only one out of all those millions that knew what I was talking about, and I can probably say it again, and he'll know, and I remember saying something like, you know, things get hard, sometimes I just, you know, I just, it's just too much, and I just want to go, I know, I know, I get it, he got it, he got it. And everybody else was probably like, well, she didn't finish what she was going to say. I mean, she doesn't want to what? She doesn't, like, you know, or she can't what? You know, wanted some. And, and, and Casey was right there. Right there, you know? And that's what I'm talking about. You know, that's what I'm talking about in regards to him being incredibly therapeutic. He gets it. 
his empathy is is uh, what is so uh, is so therapeutic in and of itself. I mean, you can have a, a therapist and uh, with a label of a therapist, but uh, and they can even have empathy. But empathy just means the ability to perceive, you know, emotions of others. It doesn't mean the intent to, you know, do well or make that other person feel good. Casey has empathy, and his only intention and uh, God-given gift is to hold that hand out there to them and uh, give them that ear and uh, give them that hand, and that's what he's given me, and it's it's been absolutely a gift, and I uh, I thank him for that, and I will always be grateful for that, and so with that, I will uh, turn it over to the so far three interviews. Uh, I'm trying to get the official links so that the sound quality will be much better. But until then, this is what I got for you. All right, take care. just wanted to clarify a few things and and i was honored to be on the show so thank you well uh, yeah i'm glad you're here and i'm glad that you know what well the one thing that knocked me out was uh, your honesty uh a lot of people aren't that honest were you always that way you know to be honest <laughs> well i'll say it again I, <laughs> I, 
I, uh, I've always been one to just say it like it is. I mean, I've, yeah. I've heard it from everyone. I, I don't know if it's the, the partly being, you know, autistic or what, but I don't know how to communicate any other way than just saying what I feel and what I think. And, uh, you know, uh, that's just kind of how I am. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe you. I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, I don't, I, I always say that, uh, you, know, you can never, nobody can be mad at you if you're going to tell the truth. You, you, your feelings might be hurt, but no one can be mad if you're going to tell the truth. Ooh. Is that kind of what you're saying? <laughs> well, many people have been very angry at me for telling what I perceive to be the truth, actually. But um, I kind of am with you on that angle in that if someone told me the truth you know, that I know to be the truth, I don't think I would be that angry because I've, I don't really have a lot that I'm ashamed of and I feel that if I'm speaking to somebody and I'm saying what even they know is true and they're angered by that, that's not to sound brash, but that's not really my, it's not really my problem. (laughs) Right. Okay. No, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, So, so, so you're somebody who, who has uh, been through a lot of adversity. And um, you've gotten through it, and uh, you, you're resilient. Um, what uh, what makes you so resilient? I I don't think I'm much more resilient than I really. You know, I don't have much to relate it to other than to say God's grace. I mean, what I got through, uh, I, I I could not have probably done it on my own there were too many last minute kind of things that that just were not within my own control but worked out in a way that just was beyond me and uh but the resilience I think was me not wanting to give up on myself I knew who I was I know who I am and after the the you know first accident uh when I tried to get help you know, no one believed me. No one knew me when I moved out here. So I was labeled and I didn't get actual an actual MRI uh, through DHMC until seven years later. And that's when they found the, you know, royal atrophy and the epilepsy. And I was severely, you know, yeah, federally. Yeah, Julie, I, I, I don't mean to, to interrupt, but let's, let's backtrack here uh, and uh, tell the audience kind of, um, you know, a little bit uh, about this uh, because this is the first time Sure. Uh, you know your first show here, so. Yeah. Um, uh, but but the main thing is that your your faith was it, it was strong throughout the whole the, the whole thing through the whole, the whole story you're about to tell us. Uh, well, I mean, I've always had a belief in something higher, but no, I think it I think it uh, grew in strength, and then especially in hindsight, looking back, I realized there was no possible way I could have, you know, known the things I needed to know last minute, or. Uh, in that, you know, subsequent accident, I, I should have definitely not have survived. And I, I did just little things that I, I couldn't have known that I couldn't have done, you know? Um, but, uh, all along the way, I wasn't going to give up on myself. I knew there was something horribly medically wrong. Uh, and I knew that no one was uh, going to help because they were just labeling me, you know, this and that and everything else until the MRI. Um, yeah, well, well, Julie, hold on, let me interrupt well, just one more time mm-hmm. uh, because I want to, um, I want to kind of uh, tease the audience here because yep. uh, everyone's, everyone's uh, wondering, like, you know, what, what, what is the story?
story. I, I want to know the story. So uh, what we do here is uh, that's when we take a little short break and we come back and uh, we're going to hear Julie's story, which is incredible. So Julie, can you hang with me for two seconds? You got it. All right. Hey, I'm on with uh, Julie Asmus and uh, you're about to hear a, a great story as soon as we get back about a very uh, interesting woman. Be right back. The next step to following your dreams DMA and the Actor Studio is an established, reputable talent management and services agency based on the coast. Actors, models, singers, voiceover artists, and live entertainers trust their careers with GDMA. Not only does GDMA advise and market talent, they provide talent the necessary tools to be successful in today's demanding entertainment industry. Offering in-house classes, coaching, photo and video services, real and audio production, showcases, seminars, and more. KDMA makes talent development and advancement simple and affordable. For more information about talent representation and services at KDMA and the Actors Studio, visit KDMA and the Actorstudio.com. That's KDMA and the Actorstudio.com. Let KDMA take Career oh, to the next level. Battery sedan and limo, full service transportation company serving the Philadelphia metropolitan area with full knowledge of the New York City, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C. areas. We pride ourselves on being the most dependable, conscientious company in the industry. Our always on time service and dependable pricing make us the company to call for any event or occasion. Our vehicles can accommodate any size party for any occasion. Our vehicles range from four-door sedans to SUVs to minivans to limo buses to full-size tour buses and can accommodate groups of two to 100. We offer airport shuttle service or over-the-road service without limitation regarding mileage or time. And no drive is too long or too far. So if you find yourself in need of transportation of any type with any vehicle, give us a call at 610-842-4564 and let us show you what a real transportation company can do. Use code ACADEMY2020 to receive 20% off your first three rides, including parking and toll. Thank you, Casey. Good to be here. All right, so let's, let's go back to 2011. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah, oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Okay, so tell, tell, tell me what happened, uh, what happened in 2011. Um, well, apparently it happens every day in America, but to me, uh, there was a... <laughs> it's just like, here we go again. I, as it's an unwarranted search and seizure. It was a federal investigation. Uh, didn't see it coming. All of a sudden, you know, feds state at, at my door. I'm cuffed. Uh, they don't really tell me what's going on. They say they're bringing me in uh, for a welfare check. I say, I'm fine. What, what is this about? I start freaking out. They um, put me into a car and basically, not the long and short of it, but... Uh, I was accused of something and held for something 
that I was not guilty of. Uh, they thought I had been on some form of governmental assistance and therefore, you know, they could forego my 14th Amendment uh, or the 4th, 5th, and all the other ones, basically. Well, so they accused of something that you didn't do. That's right. That's correct. So um, they found out that I was not guilty of this and that they had violated my human rights like had I had I been held and had they found evidence of it on me in me in my apartment during that search and seize of 13 days then they would have been like all right well we got our person you know but because they were wrong there wasn't anything there that I you know that there wasn't anything to be found so they had violated my rights in absence of coming at me with any warrant with any judge's signature or any evidence of their own and then they were kind of caught in the, well, we know, we know she's wrong. We know she's done something wrong and we're going to, you know, and then what they do is they, you know, they criminalize. This is, was my experience was they tried to criminalize my person so that they could get me for intent to do what they had suspected that I had done. And with lack of any evidence, if I had gotten a felony drug charge within five years of that time, um, they would have gotten me for intent. Fact of the matter is I'd been in recovery, um, had five years and had nothing to do with drugs. So they'd never got that charge. Uh, they says, I'm sorry, what was your question? No, no, I, I was, I was just, uh, I was, I was uh, just uh, reacting. Uh, this is, uh, uh, this is, uh, uh, man, this is a tough story. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy one, and that's why, you know, people really had a hard time, you know, believing me, and that's why I, New Hampshire, the, the Attorney General is the one who signs off on any search and seizures, and that's when I learned that he would be the one I should contact if something, you know, bad happened, and I did so after a false arrest, and uh, there were several, but then when I was actually falsely incarcerated in 2014. Yeah, I was going to ask how long that was for, Julie. That was an 11-day false incarceration, and it was subsequently ruled as a false incarceration by a judge, and um, and then it was slapped, the uh, charge was slapped back on my record for five years, and yeah, and it was a very offensive charge, a charge that's the antithesis of my actual character behavior, so something that I wasn't willing to go and put myself out there and then try to explain away because... I had no association with the charge or the behavior of the charge, so... I, I understand. If you're explaining, you're, you're losing most of the time. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah, I, I was. I was either being labeled crazy with a severe head injury, looking nuts, and having this crazy story, so-called alleged crazy story, you know, to be labeled, or I couldn't get work. I mean, it was just one hurdle after another, and... Uh, and then, of course, you know, because the head injury, I end up with this speech issue. So, uh, you know, when I was back in my 20s and I was drinking, I could be blackout drunk and I would, no one would even notice. And then now that I'm, you know, not affiliated with alcohol or drugs, it's like people think I'm inebriated because I have a speech disorder because of my I head injury. Heard that at all. Well, that's good to know. I'm trying to be very articulate. <laughs> yeah, you are. I mean, you, you, but uh, it was it was an accident, right? Uh, yes. With the, with the head injury. 
Yes. You want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, that was three that weeks. That was like seven years later, right? Well, no, there was one three weeks after they came at me uh, without okay. the warrant or anything like that. Uh, when they tried to get me in a false drug charge, uh, I uh, crashed into a ditch uh, at 45, and uh, he subsequently put that I had only crashed at 18 so that they could... Uh, not have me uh, admitted to ICU and that is why I became federally disabled is because due to that I had severe brain bleeds and I was told seven years later I should have dialed, died in that jail cell that night in 2011 because oh they, my God. yeah yeah so um, and they put the bail at two thousand dollars too and it was only for a misdemeanor <laughs> it's like what no, no, they were doing anything and everything they could to keep me. And that was because of what had happened three weeks prior. And the adamacy of getting me for something that they didn't have any evidence of because, you know, they were, they ended up releasing me. Um, was, was somebody have, had it out for you? Was it personal? No, it wasn't personal. It was just based on what they had suspected and that they had that the feds just were so certain that they were that they were right that they just didn't even think to you know they didn't even think twice at coming at me and they thought it was what they thought they had no idea what really happened that's right that's right and i i have some understanding as to why in hindsight they could have you know thought that um, you know, but at the time, it was just like, where is it, what is going on, where is this, like, I had no idea what I was even being accused of, so, um. That's gotta be tough, it's gotta be tough to, to be, uh, accused of something that, you, you know, you, you know that you, you didn't do, and, um, uh, he had the feeling that they, they believed towards the end that they might not have been right. Oh, yeah, oh, very much yeah. so, because they kept asking me in the interrogation, the same exact question the same time just one agent would come and say what do you want and then they'd have another one come in and ask what do you want and I'd list the three meds that I'd been on for the past five years and then they'd ask again I mean just the one question just to try to wear me down and uh and then uh yeah I mean that was it's like they didn't really have anything else to ask me because they didn't tell me why I was there um and I'm not exactly sure why they didn't tell me but um what was it like when you were in there for the uh, 11 days? Did they, uh, were you by yourself? Did they put you in a pod? Uh, well, that was, the false incarceration wasn't until 2014, and that was when I was put up in the med ward, and uh, I had uh, not been officially diagnosed with potential lobe epilepsy at that point because I hadn't had the MRI. Um, so I uh, was having, you know, really bad seizures and I had that really bad head injury and I went into shock my body just completely shut down and I kind of enclosed into myself and I didn't eat I didn't move and I didn't go to the bathroom for 11 days and they took oh, my God. yeah I just totally just just was in shock I didn't cry I didn't nothing and uh they took my and, and just numb kind of right yeah yeah and the oddest yeah. thing of it was I finally felt safe for the first time oh, in four wow. years, I finally felt safe because there was nothing they could do to me in there. For so long, when I finally felt safe in there, I realized that 
I was always scared that they were going to get me for, like, just being in my home, just like they had, you know, in 2011, and, you know, like, and then when I was finally and falsely incarcerated and, and just put in there without, I, I didn't even ask, I, I was, I didn't even ask why I was in there, and um, I was later told, and I can explain it, but, um, I, uh, they took my heart rate at, uh, uh, on the 11th day, and the only reason I wasn't transferred to federal as an anonymous number with a, you know, with a crazy story behind bars, he would never be heard from again, uh, is because it was 32, and I would be a liability. It's not like they cared about me, or they, oh no, you know, she's, this isn't good for her. It was that I was going to be dead weight on their hands. So when the nurse... Wait, wait your, your heart rate? Your heart rate was 32? Yes. Oh yeah. my God, that's, um, Pretty that's much basically, uh, dead, yeah. yeah, that's right, Wow. that's right, and uh, since then, you know, because my body didn't get treatment for so long because of all the injuries from the first accident, also the spinal cord injuries, um, the, uh, I just have a lot of damage done now that I, is irreversible on the internal, and you know, like I have severe heart conditions, uh, bradycardia, and then the heart cardia, you know, the one that goes way up, and then it goes way down, so, um, yeah, it's uh, how, how, how are the seizures now? Not great, they, uh, actually haven't gotten better, <laughs> they don't get better, I'm on three different meds for those, and, um, I'm going in for a third, stress does a, a you know amazing damage to the body and when it's ongoing and it just doesn't stop and it, you don't get a break yeah yeah I guess it's not that I didn't get a break I just feel like I'm in constant fight or flight like I drop something and my heart goes through my throat I trip over something and my heart goes through my throat I can't find something as benign as as my vaporizer and my heart goes through my throat it's like Constant. Constant. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, um, do you still have the headaches? Yeah, from the epilepsy. Yeah, right between the eyes. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, when's, when is that, um, that, uh, huge uh, MRI? When's that gonna happen? Well, that for the liver is May 12th. Okay. At DHMC. And, um, you know, I think they're not. They're trying not to, you know, make me, uh, get me upset about it or too alarmed about it or anything like right, that. Because your heart will go up, right? Because then my heart will go up <laughs> and that yeah. will go out, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. So who knows, you know, things can heal, things can regenerate, things can get better, yeah. but it has to be better situations and circumstances and for that to happen. And I think oh, that... I'm gonna ask my audience, everyone, to, to start sending some good energy for you, and uh, everyone uh, to say, say a, a prayer, and keep uh, Julie in your thoughts uh, as, as we uh, get to hear her story. 
because we just, uh, you know, we just uh, tapped the surface here on, on this. Um, but uh, Julie, we're, we are uh, out of time for, for this show, but um, we'll, uh, I can't wait to, to hear the, the next part of this because uh, there is a lot more. I'm telling the audience that there's a lot more. Um, but uh, it's, uh, Julie, Julie Asma is just an incredible story, incredible person, and um, I can't wait to hear what you have to say next, my friend. Well, thank you, Casey. I really appreciate it, and I hope I didn't bring anyone down or make anybody cry. <laughs> no, no, definitely not, definitely not. And then, um, just right before we go, uh, Julie, I want to give you uh, the floor. Anything you want anyone to remember, to remember, to think about, uh, anything that you, you want to say, I'd like to give you the floor uh, for the last, uh, uh, the last thirty seconds, the last word here. All right. No, I'm just uh, really honored to be on the show, uh, and it's really nice, you know, after all this time to just kind of speak some of my piece and just kind of more about who I am. That's really nice to for, for you to offer, so thank you. And it's, it's good for people to hear, too, Julia, and uh, uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I admire your, your honesty and, and what you've been through, so uh, I can't wait to hear uh, part two. Uh, okay. Julie, Julie Asmus, everybody. Julie, thanks again. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Guys, we'll be right back. Stay right there. Don't move. Hi, Julie. Yeah, hi. <laughs> yes, this is Gil. Um, that was an amazing show, especially your first show. Oh, wow. Um, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, you talk a lot about, you know, the personal experiences that you've, you've undergone. Um, usually we open up the phone lines and if people have questions, they are able to ask them. Um, but I just felt like it was important for you, Casey, to, you know, build a rapport, have that first conversation, really get the audience to understand where you're coming from, your story, and things of that nature. And I feel like you definitely rocked out. You did an amazing job. Um, oh, that means a lot, because I, I kind of felt like I was a downer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I don't think you were done or you're just sharing your experience and some experiences there aren't the most upbeat stories, you know? You yeah. can't say, hey, uh, this happened to my life and then have like a positive attitude when, you know, you're still dealing with the repercussions of that. And uh, people um, now more than ever definitely understand that, you know, COVID has put a lot of people into grief, a lot of people are sensitive, a lot of people lost their jobs, so these are conversations that need to be had, you know? Yeah. Getting over obstacles in your life that, you know, still affect you to this day. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just love that you were very personal, you know, afraid to let your emotions um, show. And I feel like those, those, those conversations are just as important as the good ones. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Gil. It means a lot. <laughs> no, truly. Um, yeah, I wish I could continue talking to you, but um, I have to get ready for our next guest. But I, I can't wait to hear your next show next week. Okay, likewise. Thank you. And not, not likewise, but thank you. And can you please apologize to the women I spoke with earlier who I was quite agitated, not with, but just in regards to the whole circumstances of not getting the text, and I wasn't very nice. Oh, I didn't know anything about that, but oh. I guess I'll let the scheduling team know that I'll uh, be very um, apologetic of what happened earlier today. Yes, that would be great. All right, no problem. Have a blessed day, okay? Okay, thank you. You too. Bye now. Bye.
Okay, kids, I did my second session with Casey Armstrong, and I think it went better than the first. I mean, he and I just drive, and I'm falling in love. Uh, I love him. He's a great guy. Anyway, uh, the uh, podcast itself probably won't be published and out, so I can post the direct link until a couple days from now. And I did not do a recording of it as it was happening. So the second the second uh, uh, you know, interview with Casey comes out of the five interview series, I will definitely be posting it um, in the section labeled Casey Armstrong interviews. (laughs) It's pretty self-explanatory, but I thought I might explain anyway, because that's what I do. And I'll also explain the fact that I might integrate it into other, um, other, you know, of the, see, my brain injury is getting worse and my mind is, is slipping. It, well, let me, excuse me, let me rephrase that. My brain injury isn't getting worse. It's making my mind worse. And my, my memory is slipping really bad. For example, I left the car running because my battery keeps messing up and I won't even go into why. All right. Cause it's not conspiratorial and actual CIA operative confirmed it. So every morning I have to jump it. Right. So anyway, I left it running just for half an hour. I set a timer the goddamn timer went off and I didn't even know why I'd set the timer. And I'm like, why the fuck? And then I woke up in the morning and I had this like nightmare kind of flash that I'd left it running overnight. And I'm like, nah, that's impossible, whatever. I went out the next morning with the dog and the car was still running. It had been running for 16 hours. That's how bad, that's how bad things are right now with my mind. Now, going back and speaking and all that, I can sound incredibly articulate and like I have no issues at all, but holy moly, holy moly, if you watch me function, you you don't watch a lot of function. <laughs> Alrighty, take care. Asmus again. I, I I just gotta you know break uh, protocol here for a second. I um I got this note uh, from my next guest, uh, which was so nice. It was uh like after we did our last show. I mean she uh, she blew it uh, out of the park. She did a, a home run and um, she she wrote me a, a letter and it was just so nice to hear. Uh, you know what a. a a compassionate person as uh, Julie Asmus is. Uh, she said some really nice things, and uh, when, she, when I get her up in a second, I'm going to thank her for that. But uh, for you who didn't hear the, the last show, uh, Julia came on and was just completely honest about some things in her life, and uh, was quite inspiring. Um, she is a healer, right? And um, she, uh, she's a therapist. Uh, her story is just incredible. And Rather than me explain it to you, I should probably just get her up. Uh, okay, let me do that. Mr. Producer, let me get her up. Uh, guys, with no further ado, it's uh, my pleasure and uh, my privilege to bring back to the show Miss Julie Asmus. Julie, how are you today? Casey, I'm all right. Thank you. And you don't have to thank me because I I wasn't being compassionate at all. I was just telling you exactly how I felt. Well, I mean, it was so sweet okay. to read that. I mean, it was just really nice for you to take the time to, to write that to me. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. It was the truth. 
truth. Well, I mean, uh, from someone who, uh, who you know, does healing, um, I, I, I guess I should expect that, right? Well, you know, it's so cathartic, you know, just for anyone to, to be able to be heard if they felt like they weren't, you know, heard before. And and through this forum, you know, it just kind of feels like I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking individually to somebody who's in, in and of himself, I feel, is very therapeutic and himself a healer, uh, let alone the aftermath and the realization that that's gotten out to, you know, maybe people that didn't know what the truth has been or was and have made assumptions and uh, I've got the backlash to that so it's, it's kind of a relief you know and, and it's very healing I think the mind-body connection is very strong and I've been holding on to a lot of things and uh, this has allowed me to feel safer it really has well I mean it's, it's a great point some people uh, don't uh, feel that their story is being um uh, is, is, is being heard, but and they don't know how interesting it is and how much it's going to help other people to hear someone who's gone through the same stuff in yeah, different ways, in different ways. <laughs> well, this is true, you know, whether it be someone, I mean, there's so many people who have stories that they don't want to talk about because they don't think anyone else has gone through them or they don't think they're going to be believed. I mean, there's so many instances in which that's the truth. And, you know, in my particular one, you know, I, I know that the ones that, aren't heard of the ones that were caught, you know, and, uh, and, and, and the nets and the entrapment net and, uh, you know, kind of, they're not going to be, they're not going to be heard. They're not going to be believed. And I mean, if we look back even in the sixties and the seventies, you know, the prosecution deliberately withholding, you know, evidence they knew would exonerate the, the African American they were sending to death row, you know, in my mind, that's, that's premeditated murder, and that was that was what was happening all the time back then. This has been an ongoing thing, you know. If they need to catch someone, they need to catch someone for the crime, and if they feel they've got someone and they're wrong, and they've got a lot of uh, resources invested in that, and they have come at that person in a way that's going to be a backlash at them if they're wrong. Mm. Accountability is not taken. <laughs> oh, you know, and that, that's very true. I mean, do you know what that Tuskegee experiment was? Have you ever heard of that? Um, no. Well, that, that was, I think, I think we'll probably talk about the same thing. It was around the same time where uh, the, the government uh, actually infected uh, African-American people with, uh, I believe it was syphilis. Uh, this was maybe in the 50s, 40s or something like that. I mean, I'm not making this up. This isn't a conspiracy. This actually Oh, happened. I believe you. No, so. no, I believe you. Kind of like, uh, you know, the crack cocaine so-called epidemic where the, you know, they can't, the, the African-Americans, what is, you know, they're impoverished. Did they go get a plane and, and go over to the places that had the, 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 you know, the cocaine and bring it back? No, the war veterans were instructed to, to bring it back and they drop it over these, african-american neighborhoods having done you know experiments on on rats previous and well knowing what the outcome was going to be and and then just at that point the government cracking down on you know crack cocaine and declaring the war on drugs and then going after the exact people they had dumped this you know this substance upon you know knowing it was good you know and again you know you say this isn't a conspiracy theory this is for real it's so hard to, to prove that in hindsight you know and 
Yeah, I know, and I think Julie, I think what we're, we're talking about to, to the audience here is, you know, there are there are things uh, that we we just don't know, and uh, all we can talk about is from our, our personal experience. So what I'd like to do before we take uh, our first break is I would like, uh, if you don't mind, for people who didn't hear our last show, maybe you can refresh people on what we uh, what we we talked about last time about your story and a little bit about you. Uh, because coming from you, uh, it's different than uh, from an outsider like myself. So, uh, if you don't mind, refresh people if you can. Well, uh, in synopsis of what you know, we went over last time. Basically, I uh, it was come at uh, you know uh, by the uh, feds and the state, and the reason that the, the federal government was involved was because they had suspected me of a form of domestic terrorism, which. You know, the government was really amping down on or cracking down on after, uh, the, you know, uh, 2001, 9-11, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can understand why they suspected I was doing what they suspected I was doing, but I had nothing to do with their suspicion. Or, you know, I wasn't doing that. So nonetheless, I was taken into custody. Uh, you know, they did their whole spiel. I was held. Uh, for um, well, a, a long time, right? With just by yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Just, I'm just sorry, by yourself. What? You you were you were held just uh, just uh, you were alone, right? I mean, they put you in a room for like. Well, no. Well, that that was the false incarceration. That okay. was the false incarceration in 2014. Oh. Okay. This they yeah they actually they didn't have a warrant, so they had to get. Uh, I'll just say other people involved to. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for it. saying that. Yeah, because you know we have to be yeah. careful. Thank you. Yes, uh, to, 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 uh, to get a, uh, uh, I can't remember, what it was, a peace request in order for, for me to be committed because they couldn't arrest me because uh, they didn't have anything to arrest me with or by. So that is how they got me um, committed. Um, and my then fiance at the time came to Concord State Hospital every single day. And he also had Rite Aid facts, the fact that I had been on a certain medication that the federal government told uh, New Hampshire state government I wasn't on, so I would go further and further into a withdrawal that is labeled inhumane in the UK and the US, and they don't even allow in prison. Mm-hmm. And they were gonna allow me to go into this withdrawal that I'd been on this medication about six years. Um, yeah, people don't know what, that, had, what that's like. I mean, that, that's that's something real serious. I mean, that, that can... Uh, I mean, there's some things that uh, will will kill you if, if uh, you know, you're you're it's in your body and you just all of a sudden they they take you off it. That's correct. That's correct. You can really do a number on your on your system. Yes, and this is just at the at the very beginning. And like, let's say that happened now. I don't I don't know if my body would have withstood it. But what happened in this instance is my fiance had right eight facts. Uh, you know, over and over the fact that I had been on this medication. And even then the nurses were kind of right down the line because they they knew they'd been lied to by the feds, but they started distributing my medication. They gave me one fourth of the dose and they saw that I, I in fact, you know, felt better. And then they gave me the full dose and they recognized that's exactly why I felt and was as sick as I was. Um, and I was just going to get sicker. I mean, they really weren't. I mean, it was it was going to be, oh, my God. So they rele- they ended up releasing me. And the nurse, that, that the best advice I got was in the very beginning of this whole 11 years. And it was, don't look back. Do not ask questions. 
and just move forward. And, you know, I, I wish I would have or could have, but when you have something like that happen and you don't know why you're taken like that and you don't know and it's so traumatic, the, the natural tendency is to ask questions you want to know why. And so anyway, subsequent to that, I was in an um, accident three weeks thereafter and uh, I was disabled by that because I didn't get the treatment. The uh, report was falsified and julie on on that i want you to stay right there i want the audience to to hang on your last word right there because we got to take a short break we'll come back and then we'll find out um uh, what happened Uh, my my guest is julie asmus uh an incredible story here just uh hang on one sec julie can you hang with me for a second Yes, absolutely. Okay, guys, we're going to take a short break. Be right back. The next step to following your dreams is closer than you think. KDMA and the Actors Studio is an established, reputable talent management and services agency based on the East Coast. Actors, models, singers, voiceover artists, and live entertainers trust their careers with KDMA. Not only does KDMA advise and market talent, they provide talent with the necessary tools to be successful in today's demanding entertainment industry, offering in-house classes, coaching, photo and video services, real and audio production, showcases, seminars, and more. KDMA makes talent development and advancement simple and affordable. For more information about talent representation and services at KDMA and the Actor Studio, visit KDMA and the Actorstudio.com. That's KDMA and the Actorstudio.com. Let KDMA take your career to the next level. Aloha to all you lovebirds out there. Are you thinking about a destination wedding? Let I Do Hawaiian Weddings help you realize that dream. We specialize in Hawaiian destination weddings. Our unique knowledge of the islands and vast experience with amazing locations will help us create the destination wedding of your dreams. We can help you celebrate your love for each other with a sandy beach wedding, flower lay and bouquet, photography and videography, limousine transportation, hula dancing, ukulele music, and a beautiful dove release. We can even assist you with marriage license and online paperwork. I Do Hawaiian Weddings is all about love. So visit us on the web at IDoHawaiianWeddings.com or call us at 808-330-5555 to realize your dream destination wedding in Hawaii now. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. All right. Thank you, Mr. Producer. I appreciate that. Uh, bring me back in. Guys, uh, I'm speaking with Julie Asmus. Uh, she has uh, an amazing story. And from what I can ascertain is um, uh, this healer and this therapist is getting people to think about what isn't said and uh, what is said uh, by her story. Uh, let me welcome her back to the, to the program. Julie, welcome back. Thank you, Casey. It's good to be back. So, uh, when we left off, uh, you were you were you were uh, talking uh, about uh, what was about to happen because they gave you a fourth of the medication or something like that. Uh, can you take us back? Yeah. Uh, well, they ended up giving me the full dose, and I ended up being released because they realized that was the issue that they had been lied to, and that I shouldn't be in there. 
um, I they gave me they subsequently sent me a bill for thirty two thousand dollars or something like what? that. Yes, yeah, yeah oh, okay. I called them and I said I am not paying this. I w- I shouldn't have even been in there, and they just let it go. They just. <laughs> didn't even try to get them. Hey, hey uh, so, Julie, was that an issue of betrayal, you think? In some senses, yeah. By the person that said uh, that, you know, they talked to the pharmacy or whatever? Um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the, the federal authorities who, who said that I hadn't been on any medication when they, yes, uh, you know, brought me there. Yeah, they knew that it would, it would, they knew I was sane and they didn't want me to look sane and they knew that it would make me you know, physically ill and, and, you know, eventually psychologically not acting very sane. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. Why did they pick but, you, you so. think? Why did, why did they single you out? What did you do? You know, what, what did uh, they think? They thought you did something, I guess. Yeah, well, it was because the feds were involved, I realized, after the facts, uh, because they had uh, suspected me of a form of domestic terror. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, 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 I remember that, okay. It sounds, and it sounds more serious but, it, but it turns out it wasn't hey let me i don't mean to cut you up but i got a phone call that somebody wants to talk to you so uh let me oh, let me go to the phones uh hey you're on the air with julie asmus what's your name hi my name is tina hey tina uh you got julie you got a question for her oh uh, well, yes julie hi how you doing um hey, I've, been, <laughs> I've been listening and you are so strong with everything you've been through and i want to be just like you how did you get through it uh, that's a good question i kind of feel the same way well, I don't know if you want to be just like me, but you know, I think you know when people ask how I got through it, I think when, when as, as long as people are alive, they pick themselves up and they keep going. I mean, you, I got through it because you just you get through it. If you can, if you can do it, you do it. You know what I mean? And and it just was a matter of just yeah, I had to kind of keep looking into what was going on how it was going on i kept getting the original reports after every single incident so anything that was redacted or falsified you know after the fact you know i'd have the original uh, to come back at them with or to say i had um i i uh, made things public on social media so in cases of uh false arrest uh let alone the 11 day one i uh, could tell them you know look I uh, Two days ago, I just posted on social media, that's two weeks ago, blah, blah, blah. So if something does happen tonight, bringing me in the back door, and it's not, you know, it, you know, and I so-called disappear or whatnot, it will be brought back upon you, and then that would change their mind. So it was just like little um, things that here and there that uh, I thought of, or God's grace, or or whatnot that, that got me through or is, is helping me get through. It's very nice of you to say what you said. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you well, call her. I, I, think, um, I think what we, we agree on is like when someone is faced with so much, uh, it looks like it's too much on someone's plate. How do you, how do you get through that? You know, I, I uh, uh, that's that's uh, what I I guess I wanted to know too. I mean, it's a story about ins- it's an inspirational story. It's just, she's still talking to us. So thank you for your call, caller. Uh, thank you, uh, Julie. So, um, uh, what can you tell what can you tell people about? Uh, they may feel like you did, like they have uh, too much coming down on them, and you know like the caller just said that you got through it what do you say to people that may be feeling the same way you did that we all are 
99.9% molecularly the same. We all have the same deep wants and feelings. And I mean, with the exception of the so-called psychopath. Mm-hmm. You don't feel anything, right? Empathy. Well, I, you know, they don't have the same level of empathy or ability for compassion. Got yeah, it. they do feel em- empty, I guess, is what, what is so-called said. Uh, they, <sighs> I'm sorry, what was the original question? The question was like, people right now who are listening in their car or, you know, at the office, whatever, you know, and they they feel their life uh, is there's too much coming down on them. There's too much on their plate. Yeah. What do you say to them to, to, to give them uh, the uh, encouragement to fight through it like you did? Everything does pass. Everything does pass. And, you know, happiness is not a permanent state. Sadness is not a permanent state. Grief, there's no permanent state of feeling. And when we're happy, you know, that's that's going to change. And when we're feeling completely overwhelmed and shattered and broken, that's going to change. And that might actually be a really good opportunity to, to just know things can only get better. And also maybe see what it is about the situation that you could do that could help the situation or you did that incorporated into making it the situation that it is uh, or if you feel like a, a victim to it irregardless uh, it, it could be an opportunity you know um, and also know that a lot of people are feeling the way that you are that in America you know outsides do not mount, match the insides you know the way that we put ourselves out in the world I just real quick, I encountered someone who was uh, from from Greece, and uh, she she said to me, she said, you know, I just don't understand in this country. She goes, is everybody really this happy? I mean, she really was confused. She goes, you know, I go to a store, and she goes, are they really this happy? She goes, it makes me feel even worse. I go, no. I said, you know, people in this country are conditioned to put on the happy face, and if they're in a business, that's that's how they're trained to be. But no, they're not that happy. Good point. You know. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. Wow, Julie, I, 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 I don't mean to cut but what? Um, I mean, what? Uh, again, uh, another honest. Um, you know, if you could say it black and white, uh, I think you've done that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool, uh, Julie. Uh, we're we're out of time here, but uh, let's continue this uh, uh, next time. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. Of, obviously, you know, you're you're moving people. It was a caller that was inspired by you. So, uh, anything you want to say before we go? No, I'm just really honored to be on the show, and it's just incredibly cathartic and helpful for me, so thank you. Well, obviously, uh, you're doing it to other people, too, because, uh, uh, you know, people are inspired by your story and your mental toughness. So, hey, guys, Julie Asmus, everybody. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network.
are a professional recovery life coach, and you are um, here to hear you. That's that's your uh, your business. But you don't want to talk about that, which is totally fine. I mean, uh, whatever he wants to ask, whatever he would like to talk about, it's really his podcast. It's up to him. Okay. All right. Um, and you don't have a website at the moment, so when we uh, tell people again. I do. I have a Google page, so I don't know why that's not coming up. It, it, it's there when I go under my businesses and I look it up. It's there, and I... I've, uh, you know, moderated or whatever and changed it and I've gotten more views on it. So definitely people are seeing it and it's up, but I just don't know how exactly to find it. I know that when I, again, when I go to the app, my businesses, you know, it comes up. But other than that, I don't know how to find it. Sounds good. And is there anything in particular that you'd like to talk about for the show today? Uh, you know, I guess the fact that uh, the things, you know, when the things happen to me and they happen to people, they, they don't stop happening, you know, that, you know, that it's a constant, you know, and it's actually, you know, we finally get my record annulled and now I've got DMV charges that are put on the report that it just, just, you know, it's just... I don't see the, whatever, you know, I, I don't really want to bring everybody down into a black hole, you know, but I just think it's important that it, people know it doesn't just end, you know, when they, when they want you and, you know, they're, they want you to, they keep, they keep going and that's the only reason I would feel the need to, you know, take any preventative action myself or file anything. I wanted to move on with my life after you know, the annulment, and then, you know, it was very obvious to me that I was not able to, and they made kind of self-fulfilling prophecy on their end, you know, had they just allowed it to go and, you know, not falsified things to, I mean, I got didn't get a citation, no ticket, no damage, no court date, nothing, and then it's on my record as, as bad as a DUI, and it's like, well, then why, and no insurance, you know, that didn't go up in each of the times I was rear-ended. And again, you know, that's not for me not taking accountability. You know, I will in my 20s for all the, you know, crap I got into then. But I can't take accountability for things I didn't do. And uh, that just happened within the last year. And, uh, yeah, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so. You know, either way, either way, I'd maybe open up the line a little bit at the end, or... Okay, not a problem. So I'm going to play commercial, and you and Casey are going to get started, okay? Okay, thanks so much, Gil. And how would you like Casey to introduce you as? I know that you do like a multitude of things. Uh, Julie Asmus, uh, you know, I... Master's licensed therapist and life coach? I mean, I don't know, because I didn't actually finish the internship because the accident happened right at that point. So I, I am qualified to be, you know, by law, a, a professional life coach, but I'm really close to whatever. I, you know, I would say just professional life coach. <laughs> it's fine, I suppose. Okay.
Introduction, and I don't disagree with you about the heat. I myself <laughs> do not prefer the heat. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't either. What, what, what is that about? I don't know. My, my, my producer loves the heat. Uh, for me, it's just it makes me feel just uncomfortable, just you know, just sticky and yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna look like a Zippowitz, you know, wearing like uh, one of those short sleeve uh, dress shirts. <laughs> oh well. That's an old. That's an old reference. You're too young for that. <laughs> All right, uh, Julie. Yes. Um, your, your story is is, uh, is uh, amazing. Um, when we left off last time, um, I believe. Uh, well, actually, before we get there, can you just give us a refresh in case people haven't heard your program before? Uh, just give us a little refresh about yourself and um, about uh, uh, you know what we've been talking about for uh, the the past. Um, couple shows here and just in your words I don't want to put words yeah sure I mean I grew up in in New Hampshire and I went to uh, school out in Ohio and went back out there to get my master's and then moved back here Portsmouth area I just thought it was a good place to be and uh, uh, in the process you know I was about to start my internship and uh, just something sidelined me I mean I uh, I guess it happens to a lot of Americans apparently but it's not much talked about I uh was uh, suspected of uh, something I didn't do, and it was a very uh, large deal as a form of domestic terrorism, which they were really, you know, serious about, you know, about 10 years after 9-11. Um, 
three weeks after, you know, they held me and checked my place. You know, I come back after the, you know, 13 days for that hold. And, uh, you know, my ceiling tiles are askew and, you know, wires are whipped out, ripped out of the wall. They made no bones about, you know, hiding the fact that they'd gone through everything. And, uh, yeah, so, um, uh, so anyway, three weeks after that, I was uh, in a car accident in effect of, uh, knowing that the way I was pulled over and the way, you know, I was instructed to do what I was, was not, was not a protocol. Uh, and, uh, you know, you don't stop your car, put, throw your keys out the window and put your hands on the wheel when you don't even know why you're being stopped. And, you know, I was going out to get a, a charger for my phone at 1130 at night and I felt very vulnerable. And what had happened, I'd just been torn from my place, you know, three weeks prior to that. So my instincts and everything in me told me to, 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 to flee. And I have never, ever had that instinct before. And I've been pulled over, you know, uh, my fair share of times for, for, for mainly speeding and other, you know, traffic violations. And never have I ever had the instinct to flee. And everything in me from the way he was speaking to me and the way he was, you know, approaching me and everything, I just... I did. And in hindsight, I look back on that. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that it, it led to my disability and the main, you know, uh, consequences of, you know, what it came to, I would have done the same thing. Cause if I, if I hadn't, he, uh, it would have led to a, uh, a charge that then they could have gotten me for, uh, intent on the, on the, uh, charge three weeks prior without any evidence whatsoever having come at me without a warrant, no judge's signature, no evidence, and they would have gotten off the human rights violations, which they very much violated, and, you know, effect of my not being, uh, my not being, um, uh, guilty, so they, uh, if, if they had gotten within five years of that, a, a felony drug charge, they could have gotten me for intent, and, uh, I didn't know that at the time he was stopping me. I didn't know law that well, but you know, when things like that happen, you look into it, you find out why, and you get the reports and it comes together. And, and that's just what you become immersed in because it becomes your world. I, you know, and then subsequently after that, just a lot of harassment, getting pulled over, uh, all the time, your headlights out. I mean, your tail lights out, your tail lights out, your tail light was never out only thing I could do was not respond to the antagonism. I had to put my head down each time. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, you know, ma'am, whatever it was. And then, you know, 2014 was a false incarceration. 2015 was another attempt on there and systematically to kind of end my voice. And, uh, you know, it, it, honestly, these things don't really stop because they don't, they have the resources and if you're a liability and there's no statute of limitations on what they're trying to snag you on they're going to keep they're going to keep trying to get you for it because you're going to remain a liability so long as you have a case against them and anything in, re- in regards to human rights violation there's no statute on la- that and uh that night i spent in jail in 2011 with the with the uh you know, the bail at 2000, that in and of itself was a human rights violation. And the fact that it can now be proven, I, I should have died in that jail cell is also now a human rights violation. Yeah, you were coming off the medication, right? No, no, that was in, uh, well, that, that was, was the other time? no, that was when they, uh, took me for the, uh, oh, okay. yeah, they came at me in the very beginning and they told the nurses, uh, that I wasn't on any medication 
and my fiance had to fax uh, New Hampshire State that I had been on a particular med. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's tough. That's tough right there because yeah, you could you could have died from that. Well, yeah, I mean, if it had gone on and they hadn't realized that they'd been lied to uh, and I hadn't been released on a court and, you know, in effect of that, then, yeah, I mean, it's slowly but surely it could have really, you know, done my system in, you know, I, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Totally. Hey, um, so um, let me go to instant feedback here, all right, Julie? Sure. I got a bunch of people writing in here. Uh, I got uh, George from St. Louis. He says, I heard your last shows and I'm inspired. Uh, would you do it all over the same way? What made you not give up? Here go, George. That's an awesome question, George, and that, you know, the, the would I do it all the same way? Uh, I look back, I don't think there's anything that I could have done different because I... Right, it was kind of out of your control, wasn't it? It was, uh, most of it was, and the things that I was able to control or have any control over, it was more about not uh, reacting to antagonism or not giving them anything to, you know, get me for, to, to the extent that they had to arrest me in my own home because I'd become so agoraphobic, they finally, you know, I mean, found something to arrest me in my own home for. Which was that false led to the false incarceration. I mean, That's just, scary. That's scary. it is very scary. It is very scary. So, so uh, George, I uh, hope uh, thanks for writing in. I hope uh, that gave you the answer. But uh, he, last part of the question, he says, um, "What made you not give up?" Just hoping that I would, you know, someone would give me the proper medical scans or we would figure out what was going on with my brain because I knew, you know, something was severely damaged. I mean, something was really wrong. You don't go from feeling fine to hell after your head gets bashed, you know, I mean, it's it's a pretty, you know, cut and dry type thing, you know, and, uh, you know, especially I didn't know anything about head injuries, but one of my pupils is far larger than the other one and you know I kept I kept kept yelling at my fiance like do you see do you see my eyes do you see how much bigger one pupil and he's like yes I do you know he's like scared of me because I was so frantic and I was also intimidated to try to get medical treatment because they just would see me as crazy I mean they they would ask well do you have the report and the report caught in between a rock and a hard place. I believe. <laughs> I believe that's what they call it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow, all right, so let me go back to instant feedback here. Uh, okay, Toby from, this is Georgia. Uh, has religion given you strength during the obstacles of your life? Yes, I wouldn't uh, personally call it religion, but faith, God, uh, you know, of that nature absolutely has helped me get through it. Uh, and I, you made your, your faith stronger, you're saying? Yes. As well as the fact that if I didn't have faith all through this and now I would always want to be the way that I was. And if I, if I, you know, given that I do have faith, I, I believe that I am the way that I am now for a reason, as opposed to always wanting to be the way I was, think the way I was, remember the way I was, you know, uh, be able to communicate the way I did and function and socialize because that's all just been kind of 
turned upside down and I have to believe and I'm not I'm not telling Toby that I have to believe and that's why I do I think there's always been an underpinning of faith that I mainly found through nature and animals and uh I mean, that's how well, God... What do, you, what do you mean by that? Through, through, through animals? What do you mean? Well, God, you know, God speaks through other living beings and creatures. You know, if you're in a... If you're holed up in your own home, he cannot speak to you. He cannot speak to you. So he has to... You know, he speaks through other humans, whether that human is... Like, if the human's an ego, this is just my personal theory, if the human's an ego and they're speaking, you know, trying to sound good or whatever, then God isn't able to be conveyed. But, you know, if that person says something or it's a, you know, and he's not an ego, sometimes another person can really be, you know, inspired by that, even though that other person didn't mean to say it or with animals, you know, they can just be very you know, remedial in and of themselves, and they, they're they always trying to communicate, and they're always trying to make you feel better. And I then, agree. I agree with that. So some, they know, uh, I, I truly believe that, yes. they know when there's something wrong, yes. and uh, I, I, I find it so touching when uh, they see someone who's upset or something like that, and they come over, and, uh, you know, they just... Um, you know, we'll, we'll pay attention to that person or something. Uh, do you feel the same way? I mean, do you see that too? I do. I do. And I think that they definitely pick up on our moods and they're incredibly sensitive that way. Um, uh, they, uh, yeah, and they are definitely trying to make, make us feel better, even when they're feeling, you know, feeling horrible themselves. And I, I know for me, when I'm feeling horrible it's very difficult for me to try to make others feel good let alone even be kind you know oh, totally yeah i totally get what you're saying uh, yeah so they have that on me no i'm just saying what you're saying like the animals have that on me like i can't do that but they can you know <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not that uh i'm not that emotionally uh strong i guess me neither. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's so amazing when they pick up on something like that. Uh, you know, there's sometimes they don't even have to know either. They, they just uh, will, will come around. Uh, um, I got, uh, they're coming in like crazy here. I got like three or four uh, instant uh, feedback just came in. But let me take a short break. Let me, let's do the break now. Come back and uh, I will uh, I will read your um, instant feedback. Uh, guys, you're listening to Julie Asp. And, um, we'll be right back. Stay right there. Awesome, Casey. The next step to following your dreams is closer than you think. KDMA and the Actors Studio is Let KDMA take your career to the next level. 
Shadowy Sedan and Limo is a full-service transportation company serving the Philadelphia metropolitan area. With full knowledge of the New York City, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C. areas, we pride ourselves on being the most dependable, conscientious company in the industry. Our always on-time service and dependable pricing make us the company to call for any event or occasion. Our vehicles can accommodate any size party for any occasion. Our vehicles range from four-door sedans to SUVs to minivans to limo buses to full-size tour buses and can accommodate groups of two to 100. We offer airport shuttle service or over-the-road service without limitation regarding mileage or time. And no drive is too long or too far. So if you find yourself in need of transportation of any type with any vehicle, give us a call at 610-842-1564 and let us show you what a real transportation company can do. Use code ACADEMY2020 to receive 20% off your first three rides, including parking and home. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. All right, thank you, Mr. Producer. Okay, we're back, guys. of the uh, resil- resiliency of the human spirit. That's what I refer to. That's, that's her middle name, actually. Uh, hey, Julie, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. <laughs> um, so let's go, let's go back to instant feedback here. Okay. Um, Mark from Montauk. Ooh, that must be nice out there in Montauk. Montauk. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think the things that really stood out to me were just the the smell of the food was just horrific. I mean, it just was nauseating. Um, And the just the the, the constant clanking, you know, the banging of the bars, just the gray. I mean, you know, everything is, everyone is energy, everything is energy, and I mean, it's just a different energy in there, uh, all together, there's a sense of kind of hopelessness, and I mean, people, well, yeah, just people making the best of what they've got in, in those little places, and I could hear the guys next to me, like, joking around, you know, just about you know, squirting their, like, uh, ketchup packets, and I, you know, I thought it was kind of funny, just, (laughs) it just, it just sounded funny, and they were, but it almost sounded as though they were settling in, like, these were their new friends, and this was their new home, and, and that to me is like, oh my god, like, I, I, there's no way I could have been, like, happier joking around in there, so for me to hear that, like, I, was just in a different state of mind, I guess, than them, or they were stronger than me, or, you know, I don't know, but, um, you know, Casey, I just gotta say to you real quick, in regards to, you know, God speaking 
through other people. It it takes me a while to not be so self-centered. But you know, I you know, just last night I was thinking about you and what you do every single day, all day. And you just, you know, what you do is honestly it's it's great. It's amazing. And you make so many people feel feel good and feel special and you do it in a very genuine way and, and you are genuine and that I don't know I think it's just that that really well I mean I would think you'd already know that much but you're welcome <laughs> well, I, I, I'm uh, you know like everyone I, at times I'm not the nicest to myself but hearing something like that that's uh, uh, that is uh, music to my ears so thank you very much for saying that that is you're welcome. Many, many uh, would agree. Yeah, you're, 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 uh, you're always a pleasure to talk to. I, I, I love hearing your stories. So, Thank you. Uh, all right, let's, let's, let's go back. Let's see what else the other people are saying here. Okay. Uh, we got Jim from outside. That's, that's pretty close to um, People look at you differently when they hear you're disabled. Ooh. Uh, yeah, actually, kind of. Um... You know, it's so interesting having gone through what I went through. Just, you know, I, I feel like people treat me very differently than they did prior to my going through this and becoming disabled because the assumptions made in lieu of my having stickers and stamps that state what my medical conditions are, they can look and seem like other things. And I don't really talk about what happened and what conditions I have. So the assumptions are made by those that aren't close to me and yeah I am treated differently Uh, not when I tell people I'm disabled but because I'm disabled I suppose and I handle things differently Um, but when I directly tell people yeah I think they're surprised I think they don't they look at me as kind of younger than I am and then they're just like what you know they don't really understand why that would be um so yes and no. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, well, Jim, there you go, buddy. Uh, hey, uh, Julie. Every time you come on, it's uh, it's, it's refreshing. It's uh, it's, uh, it's a show of, of honesty and, and uh, you know how they, they uh, everything that was done wrong to you. You're still here. You're still talking about it, and I got a feeling you're doing it because um, other people. Are going through the same thing or have gone through something like that. Not yes. Not the same with Edo and I mean. Yes. Uh, yes. I have a feeling that's uh, you you're doing this for other people and I applaud you for that. Well, so, thank you. Uh, Julie, is there a. You know, and thank you, Casey. I really don't have too much to say other than that. Thanks for being there. Uh, all right. Well, we, we uh, love having you on. And my thanks to the callers. Uh, my, my thanks to uh, the uh, people who wrote in on instant feedback. I'm sorry I didn't get to all of you, but uh, I will next time, okay? So, guys, uh, Julie Asmus, great guest. Um, my thanks to her, uh, number one, especially. So, guys, we'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is... Hello? Hey. Hey, Julie, that was awesome. Oh, thank you. 
like you always have real conversations with Casey. I I know I always say the same thing, but you guys really do. I I think he's is. well. He I just feel like he's almost like my alter ego in male form. <laughs> That is such a compliment. I'll definitely tell him that. What? I mean, it's a compliment the other way around. I really... <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> you guys are awesome. Um, like I it. wish I could continue talking to you, but uh, we're kind of running late on our next show. But yes. um, we'll talk to you next week, okay? Absolutely. And thanks for all your help and patience, Gil. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> okay. Have a wonderful day. You too. Please remember that next week, Wednesday at 1 p.m., I do another interview with Casey Armstrong and will be doing so weekly for the next five weeks. Thereafter, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Something said about sponsorship or my own show. All I know is that I needed to be heard and, and acknowledged for what I'd been through. And that's really, that was my objective in saying yes to these interviews. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with just that. All right. Anyway, thank you. And be sure to check back next week. I'll always be adding new content in between now and, and then, meaning now and in between each, or rather in between each session, I'll be adding new content. All right. Take care, guys. Hope all is well.
democracy is facing a crisis of confidence. What we're seeing is a global assault on democracy. Most of the countries that are targeted are countries that run democratic elections. This is happening at scale by state actors, by people with millions of dollars saying, I want to destabilize Kenya. I want to destabilize Cameroon. Oh, Angola, that only costs this much. An extraordinary election took place last Sunday in Brazil. A campaign that's been powered by social media. We in the tech industry have created the tools to destabilize and erode the fabric of society in every country all at once, everywhere. You have this in Germany, Spain, France, Brazil, Australia. Some of the most developed nations in the world are now imploding on each other, and what do they have in common? Knowing what you know now, do you believe Facebook impacted the results of the 2016 election? Um, you know, it's the the reality is, well, there are so many different forces at play. Representatives from Facebook, Twitter, and Google are back on Capitol Hill for a second day of testimony about Russia's interference in the 2016 election. The manipulation by third parties is not a hack. Right? The Russians didn't hack Facebook. What they did was they used the tools that Facebook created for legitimate advertisers and legitimate users, and they applied it to a nefarious purpose. It's like remote control warfare. One country can manipulate another one without actually invading its physical borders. We're seeing these violent images. It appears to be a dumpster that's being pushed around. But it wasn't about who you wanted to vote for. It was about sowing total chaos and division in society. It's about making two sides who couldn't hear each other anymore, who didn't want to hear each other anymore, who didn't trust each other. College towns, this is a city where hatred was laid bare, transformed into racial violence. everything else. Liver cyst, lesion, kidney dysfunction, cardiac dysfunction, TBI, post-concussion, severe temporal epilepsy. I was just diagnosed with definitively needing to get my gallbladder out as soon as possible and uh, uterus uh, polyps. I may have to get my whole uterus out and I hadn't yet given up hope of having kids. So it's yet another loss and another thing to grieve. And um, the only way I can handle it is look at the positives. You know, say, hey, well, you know what? I don't want to have kids anyway, or this or that. But I did. I did. Um, so I just have to remember God's will, not mine. And uh, hope that I can foster or adopt one day. Um, that is my hope. I've worked with kids and adults with disabilities my entire life prior to going into grad school for counseling. I come out about an internship away from becoming an MLADC as shit hits the fan, and now I'm disabled and I feel like I'm at square one and I have to deal with all these health diagnoses and I just thought I was out of the water. After a 10-year haul, and I don't know if anyone's been following anything, but man, 
So anyway, I've decided to start this podcast anew and give my thoughts, uh, given where I'm at on a daily basis or at least a bi-weekly basis, given I'm feeling worse and worse. Um, biopsies haven't been done on the polyps, so I'm not sure what's up with that. And there's a lot yet to be discovered, especially with the anemia and where the blood loss is coming from. And uh, given I got a call from Portsmouth today that I missed and there wasn't room in my answering machine and the fact that my urine has been orange, dark orange as opposed to yellow, I have a feeling it has to do with my kidneys. So anyway, uh, things aren't on the up and up and it's hard to be positive when things are really looking down and they just, you know, it's not like it just started. It's been going on for 10 years and, you know, the annulment and, you know, here I go starting on life and then I just feel like shit all the time, all of a sudden and, uh, yeah, all these diagnoses, one after another, after another. I mean, I already had 10 on the books and then I got two more. So, you know, this is not a away victim me statement, but this is where I'm at. And uh, if I said anything about what my day was like today and didn't mention what the health <laughs> diagnoses were, was I would not be uh, in my actuality or dealing with reality. I would be deluded and on a, you know, Facebook fake. And I'm not like that. That's not me. You know, that's why you listen to me and that's why you will. So uh, anyway, I will keep it real and I'll let you know what's going on. Um, and also, uh, you know, is the uh, the whole thing going on with uh, the state and uh, DEA to the effect I am actually moving. I am moving altogether. So yay. Can't wait. Thank you. Uh, next installment will be soon. Take care. Hope all is well with everyone else. Her is God intense.